Welcome to the Kick-Ass Life Podcast. My name is Elle Russ. Join me and my co-host, Tara Garrison, every week as we tackle topics related to mindset and empowerment so you can create a happier, more abundant, and fun kick-ass life. Video episodes are available on youtube.com forward slash kick-ass life podcast. To learn more about us, visit our websites, coachterragarrison.com and lruss.com. Hey, have you guys had a chance to check out the organic super greens yet from Paleo Valley? This is a really cool greens powder because not only does it have 23 powerful organic antioxidant rich superfoods in it, ones that you can actually utilize and absorb, but what sets them apart is they don't use any cereal grasses in their powder, right? And those are the ones that have been linked to inflammation and gut issues. So most greens powders or superfood products that you're going to get are comprised primarily of cereal grasses like barley, oat, wheatgrass, and then just a little light dusting of other superfoods. And cereal grasses are nearly impossible for the human digestive system to break down properly. They're best left eaten by ruminant animals such as cows, which have four stomachs designed to digest these grasses. Uh, Cereal grasses also contain a lectin called wheat germ agglutinin, which is highly inflammatory and has been found to interfere with proper insulin signaling, vitamin D absorption, and it's implicated in the development of autoimmune disease, right? So uh, be aware of what's in your greens powders. These ones are amazing. I am a super fan and they come in delicious strawberry lemonade with mint and have these unique flavors unlike others out on the market. Um, It's a really easy way to cover your nutritional bases, right? So most of us are not doing that. We're not eating enough vegetables, even if we think we are. So uh, make sure you cover your bases, support your gut health, boost your energy, fight inflammation, enhance your ability to detox, and just do one to two servings of these a day. Um, You can get 15% off with code KICKASSLIFE. So visit paleovalley.com, enter KICKASSLIFE at checkout and get 15% off. And yeah, I hope you enjoy all of the, all of Paleo Valley's offerings. They are absolutely amazing, but these super greens have just totally blown me away. So go check them out. Hey guys, I want to tell you about one of my favorite new companies and that is Rep Provisions. So I met these guys at Paleo FX last year where they were just blowing everyone away with their beef sticks and pecan nut butter combo packs that are outrageously delicious. But as I talked to them, I was even more blown away because I found out what they were about. They are a regenerative agriculture company committed to the future of the planet by the proper management of cattle. So they are regenerating America's grasslands with the management of their cattle. Look into it. It's amazing. Amazing. Um, they have everything from, of course, high quality grass fed, grass finished beef to Mongolisa pork, which is like the wagyu of pork, to bone broth, to bone broth popsicles, pecan nut butters, like I said, and so many amazing things. Um, go support them and support the future of our planet. And they're giving you 15% off for being a Kick Ass Life podcast listener. So use coupon code Kick Ass Life and get 15% off at repprovisions.com. Hey everyone, we're going to take a minute here at the top of the show to chat with you about some of our sponsors who are offering incredible discounts for you and your family. We also only align ourselves with companies that we know are providing safe and healthy products and also products that we actually consume on a regular, if not sometimes daily basis. And one of those companies is Primal Kitchen. Primal Kitchen products are incredible because they are dairy-free, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free with no refined sugar. And they are delicious. So visit PrimalKitchen.com to check out the vast array of products available and use code KICKASSLIFE for 10% off. 
Hey guys. So today we're talking about self-love and what that really looks like. This has been a journey for me. I don't know about you, Elle, um, but it's something I love talking about because I truly feel um, qualified <laughs> to talk about it because <laughs> you know, you know, when you haven't had self-love and you know, when you got it, you know, and it's a really freaking good feeling. And I really want to share this from the bottom of my heart in the very best way that I can, because I know that so many people struggle with this. And so I want to share my journey with you, what I've learned. Um, I guess I feel qualified as uh, one person's story going from rock bottom, shattered self-esteem to now like, I got me like, and I love to be by myself. I love to be with others. My self-talk is completely different. Um, the choices I'm making are in my own best self-interest. And so we want to dive into self-love, uh, what self-love isn't, because <laughs> that's kind of fun to talk about too. The fake bullshit self-love that we see out there a lot. And then like what that really looks like. Let's talk L about the fake bullshit first. I'm yeah. <laughs> so, so fake bullshit self-love is the, the self-lovey type talk that where it's taking you away from what you really want. So it's kind of this like YOLO it's Friday. I love myself. I'm going to like go get myself a big old tub of ice cream. Cause I love me, you know, and then <laughs> that's fine. As long as that doesn't mean on Sunday, you like are looking at your belly in the mirror saying like, Oh, I'm never going to lose weight. I can't believe I never stick to any of my goals. Like if that's what's going on, then that's not self-love that's okay. self-love bullshit you know? Um, and it's, we temporarily will do things like that to make ourselves feel better. We think, um, but in, in the end, really, it is actually playing small and abandoning ourselves in a lot of ways, you know, and I'm not saying like self-love does not encompass perfection. In fact, I think when you truly do love yourself, you, for me, I feel like I perform higher yet. I expect less of myself. <laughs> right. So the expectations have dropped. It's now become an opportunity and a privilege and fun to do the things that once were a chore and a have to, because I was not enough and I had to prove my worthiness through all these actions. So mm -hmm. the way I'd like to start this out is, is talking about where you are getting your source of feeling good about yourself. Is that coming from the outside in or is it coming from the inside out? Oof. So my question for you is, do any of these following things change your fundamental perception of your own worthiness? Really ask yourself, like really dive in how you look. So when you feel like you're looking freaking bomb, is your perception of your own worthiness up? And when you feel like you're not looking so bomb, is your perception of your own worthiness down? Feedback from others about your value. So when you're getting lots of positive reinforcement about what an awesome person you are and how good you are at your job and what a good mom you are, what a great wife or husband or whatever it is, do, does that change how you feel about yourself on a fundamental level? Next, how successful you are, how much money you're making. So when you're making more money, does that start to impact your self-esteem and like, you're like, yeah, I got my shit on lock. I'm freaking awesome. I am the bomb. <laughs> and then, but on the flip side, if stuff goes down, you're like, I'm a loser. I like, I'm a mess. Uh, you know, do you get these self-defeating thoughts towards yourself next? And these are deep, right? These are deep. You guys validation or lack thereof from romantic partners. Holy shizo. I like, I see this as one of the most tell tale signs of where someone's self-esteem is, is the expectations that they're putting on their romantic partner to fill their love cup for them. And I am not in a relationship currently. I am in a 
uh, divorce group on Facebook that is really, really interesting. And I see this constantly of people posting how they are shattered because they feel rejected by someone they were dating. And it has now turned into a, a, a commentary about them. They have made it about them. For me, when things don't work out with someone, that doesn't mean I'm more or less lovable. It just means it didn't work out. It wasn't a match. It wasn't aligned forever. I don't go into self-defeating behaviors of I wasn't enough for them. I must have not been attractive enough for them. I must not have been cool enough for them. I used to, and we'll talk about that, but that's a huge one. Um, and the last one I have is validation or lack thereof from your kids. All right. So parents out there, like, do you start to measure yourself as a parent by the reactions that you're getting from your kids? Oh, <laughs> it's a slippery slope. So all of these things feel nice when they're up, right? Like it feels good to look good. It feels nice when people say nice things about how you're doing in the world, for sure. Um, it definitely feels good to be making more money and be financially successful. Um, it definitely feels nice when your romantic partner or your kids give you some positive feedback and say like, you're the best mom or you're the best dad or something like that. But it shouldn't fundamentally alter your perception of your own worthiness. Elle, do you have any thoughts on that before I continue? Oh man, I got, I, I just think that's, that's such a good intro. I'm like, we just could dive into all those things. There's so many juicy uh, components there, but keep going and, and, until I'm ready. But I got, yeah, so many yeah. good things. Okay. Um, so when we are looking for outside validation to fill our love cup, that should be the first sign to us that something is wrong. Okay. Yeah. You know, so. I, and here's the thing, you know, if you're one of these people, because you always have to be out and you always have to be stimulated by external sources. Mm -hmm. It's not to say, and, and you could also just be an extrovert and enjoy that and, and have that. But the thing is, is like, I think the pandemic has taught everybody how, how attached are you to the outside world being a part of your self-worth? Because I know some people that have serious FOMO and they get their validation from being out and having that stimulus response. And then it disappears and they got nothing but them. And then they're dealing I, with them, which they haven't dealt with. I went all the way down this road all the way, all the way down the road of needing outside validation, um, people pleasing constantly. Um, if I wasn't perceiving that I was being enough for people, I would just try harder and try harder until I was exhausted. Um, I, on social media, like m the way I present myself on social media now is different than I used to. I used to have an older account that I actually grew bigger than the one that I have now. But when I started then it was coming from a place of insecurity and need for validation. And so there were lots of selfies and, you know, even though I wouldn't have told anybody on the inside, it was like, how many likes am I getting? How are people perceiving me? And if I'm getting fewer and fewer, like, wow, you look freaking amazing comments, then I must need to lose five more pounds because I'm not getting as many of those anymore. So people aren't liking me as much, right? So I totally went down that road. Um, and that was purely from a place of heartbreak. Uh, my marriage was ending. I was had not a lot of training in personal development or how to manage my emotions. So I was in pure reactive mode and I made it about me. I made it about that I wasn't enough um, and that I had to prove my worthiness and I was in fix it mode. Um, and because my self-esteem and my, and my perception of my own worthiness was so low, I needed, like, I needed air. I needed someone else to tell me that I was lovable because I wasn't giving that to myself. So what happened? I ended up in a super unhealthy relationship because it was literally the first guy outside of my divorce that told me that I was amazing, that told me I was the woman he'd always been looking for, that told me that I was beautiful, that told, you know, all of those things. I 
needed that. And it was a very dysfunctional relationship. It was super messed up, but I, I couldn't let it go because I was getting so much validation. I was getting my lifeline. I was getting air. If I didn't need that, I would have been like, that's really nice. Like not buying it. Like uh, show me what else you got here. <laughs> like, I, I don't need that from you. So that's interesting that you're using that so much as a tool. Is this how you operate? Got it. Like stranger danger. I'm going to go like, that's where I would be now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but back then I, I fell right into it because I wasn't I wasn't in a place of having that relationship of self-love that having that relationship of enoughness. And I will say like, if you want a, a very powerful tool on how to actually do this yourself versus like listening to listening to us on this podcast is cool. It will bring some things to mind, but it's not actually doing the work. And I want to really clarify that because I think we get so much on the surface. Um, we read books, we listen to podcasts, that's cool food for thought. You're not actually eradicating the root. You're not addressing the guilty feelings you don't want to feel. You're not addressing the shame. You're not opening up to the pain that you haven't been wanting to feel or cry about, right? Like, and you may have some misguided belief systems that are causing you to suffer. And so I say like the actual work, go do the work of Byron Katie. That's completely changed this for me. Like on a really simple level, I'd say plant medicines opened me up um, and doing the work of Byron Katie with Catherine Dixon of Clarity Coaching. Institute totally changed the game for me on this. And then continuing to do my own work of meditation, silence, being willing to be alone. And so I guess I'll just go real quick, Ellen, you can interject at any time, but I just want to say like, these are the steps. These are the like game changers. Like if you're not doing this stuff and you're not, you don't have a good relationship with yourself right now, I promise if you will do these things, it will change the game for you. And the first one, I actually had this as my last one and I moved it to my first one. The first one is forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Um, do the practice of the Ho'oponopono. It's an ancient Hawaiian process of forgiveness and healing. Do that. It's thank you. I love you. I forgive you. I'm sorry. Or I'm putting, probably doing that out of order. But saying that mantra over and over, I'm writing that letter to yourself with all of those elements. Thank you. I love you. I forgive you. I'm sorry. Doing it to somebody you feel who betrayed you or hurt you. Super, super, super powerfully healing. Um, it if you don't have forgiveness completely and if for yourself or someone else, it will ruin your entire life. It will ruin your entire life. I have watched, I watched it happen with my mom. She never forgave my dad. She, he was the subject of her blame and her victimhood and all of that her whole life. And it drove her actions and it drove her into upset and, and victimhood and all of it for her whole life. So I'm telling you like, the way you know you found forgiveness is you have gratitude for whatever you're not forgiving yourself for. You have gratitude for that thing or whoever you're not forgiving. You have gratitude for them. That's when you finally got there, like fully, fully. Um, so that's huge. Um, and the next one is meditation. When you're meditating, you're tapping into something bigger than yourself and you become this servant of goodness is how I feel. I feel like I create space between my stimulus and response, which allows me to check in with myself and to make sure that I'm making choices that are in my own best self-interest and I'm not in reactive mode. And I'm also tapped into something bigger than me, that, which gives me so much purpose and strength and confidence in the decisions that I'm making. Um, in line with that is be in silence more. So I'll share this. Um, 
uh, I had uh, two friends recently who were really kind of struggling in their post-divorce dating craziness. And I could see that they were really caught up in all the dating apps and they just felt like their lives were like out of control. Like just couldn't freaking see which way was straight. They're just like, so like stressed out all the time and busy. And like, I don't have enough time with my kids and blah. And I'm like, yep. Yet you're sitting there like texting people all day and getting in all these random people. And then they turn out to be these shitty dates and then like re rinse and repeat. It's taking up so much of your brain space that you can't even freaking process like what's happening in your life right now and your feelings so I actually challenged two people in my life to take three month hiatuses from dating and it completely changed them I've done it four months and then six months huge so if you're having like you're realizing that you don't have a strong level of self-love I say be by your freaking self and yeah. be in <laughs> silence more. Spend some time with yourself. Fall in love with yourself. Ask yourself, like, what do I want to do? Like, what do I like doing on a Saturday when I have no plans? And providing space for yourself to process your emotions is huge and see how you really feel about things. Because when you're all caught up in the busyness of pleasing others and, blah, and like, you can't even freaking think straight. So that's huge. Um, and I, the next one I'd say is, process your emotions with a coach or counselor. I think that we need a second set of eyes on things. I think it's very hard to get out of our thought patterns sometimes. A, a lot of we're, the time. We're coaches and we do it because we know yeah. the value because we're coaches. <laughs> totally. I have two. Coaches. Yeah. I have two because they both address it from a little different angle. I love it. You know? Um, so like there's, you know, to me, that's just smart. Some of the most successful people I know have all sorts of coaches at all different times. So it's just honestly just kind of a success habit. Yeah. Um, my next one is my, one of my favorite phrases that I use all the time. And that's be your own mom. Oh, so I thought I, it was going to be good job, girlfriend. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that is the positive self-talk piece, but be your own mom means acting on what you need rather than what you want. That is a self-love move, right? So mm -hmm temporarily right now I want that that's my old patterns but I know what I freaking need and I'm going to choose that that builds self-confidence and self-love like crazy but also give yourself compassion when you go into your old pattern sometimes it's okay just feel it all the way just say like okay I don't really like the way that made me feel that felt beneath me you know and just give yourself compassion but as much as possible start to change you know start to choose what you need instead of what you want. It's like being your own dream mom. And it's really awesome. Um, next is practicing good self-care. So just like you don't have to like get in this crazy restrictive, like I have to be skinny and lose 30 pounds or no one's going to love me. Like, nah, no, like just start to feed your body good stuff. Exercise because it's kind to your body. Do little acts of self-love like that. Take a freaking bath, like go invest in a freaking IV drip therapy or something like something really good for you like that. Those are all little acts of self-love. Um, and when you do that, I call it, you know, showing up for yourself, your little inner child inside of you sees how you're treating you like little you. And it's like, I trust him. I trust her. Like they show up for me. They speak up in conversations. They say no to stuff that I don't really want to do. Um, they know how to set boundaries. I trust them. I like them. Right. And then your self-esteem starts to build as you do that. Um, and then, uh, my last one is, uh, <laughs> I call this Marie Kondo, Marie 
condo your own mind. So does it bring you joy? So start to look at things and conversations and topics and interests and hobbies and people that bring you joy and start to focus more on those things. And then the things that don't bring you joy, like start to let more of those go, right? And sometimes that takes courage. And sometimes that takes a little bit of hard, you know, stepping over into a new lane. But as you can just choose more things that bring you joy, there won't be as many much time for the things that don't. And that starts to really build your relationship with yourself as well. So those are kind of my, my big hitters on, on the process that I've gone through to find more self-love. Those are like the, the strong, serious hitters. I would say one that's a really awkward, uncomfortable thing to do um, is mirror work. And it's really awkward mm-hmm. and awful. And when I first did it, I cried because I didn't, yep. it was just so gross. And what it is, is basically, it's like, you're, you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you have to look yourself in the eyes and be like, I love you, yep. you know, and that can be a really tough thing. And if you go try that later today, if something comes up that you don't like in there, it's probably because it's something, you know, you need to work on. Like, have you been shitty lately to your sister or have you, you know, whatever, whatever the thing it'll come up. Mm-hmm. You won't feel good about something about yourself. Take a look. It's going to happen. Even if it's something like you look in the mirror and you say, I love you. And it feels, uh, you know, like it, maybe it's because like you did make a commitment to yourself that you broke, or you did say you're supposed to do something and do it. It could be small and it could be large, but I think that that, uh, was something I was very resistant to when I first found out about it with Louise Hay. And I was like, I am not <laughs> this is so ridiculous. No way. And then I've gotten, you know, kind of used to it over time. And I think it's important because I think in doing it, you also find where you're lacking and what you don't like, because it'll come up right away as you're sitting there telling yourself you love yourself, you will have something come up that goes, eh, and it'll be something you need to work on, you know, yeah, and self-discovery. Really, yeah. A lot of self-discovery. I, I did that too. Um, probably for the first, like six months of my crazy, like my whole world just got rocked and I have to reinvent myself and I have Mm -hmm. a lot of freaking work to do. And that was part of my morning routine. And same thing. It's like, it feels so uncomfortable, but what I love about it is that you can't, you can't lie to yourself while you're looking yourself in the eye. Like, you know, if you're feeling that all the way or not, and it shows you what you need to work on the most. Cause you might say like, I'm powerful. And you're like, yeah, I freaking know I'm powerful. Right. But you might say like, I'm a good mom. And you're like, and your eyes go hollow and you're like, okay, having some guilt and some feelings there. Let's look at that one, you know, or, you know, so it's a really cool um, litmus test on how you really feel when you're looking yourself in the eyes. And even though I don't do that consistently in the mornings anymore, I, it's like something that never leaves you. I don't know about you. Like, when I'm going through maybe something challenging, um, I'll catch myself like just in a bathroom mirror, washing my hands. And I get this little positive self-talk moment of like, you're doing great. You're doing great. Just keep going. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the thing too. And I think, I think what this whole encompasses is, you know, and your, your intro there, you could have written a chapter in my book on this really with, you know, self-esteem, self-love, confidence, the whole confident as fuck thing. And, um, nobody, is going to do it, but you, that's why we're telling you, you got to go do it. Yeah. Nobody that, that outside world, they are not, or the person that's constantly congratulating all the time, they might die. And then what are you going to do? Where are you going to get it from? Where's your source? Right. And so it is all back to us. That's why it's self love. You, you cannot get it generated anywhere else. You really can't, you got to get it first. But once you generate it within yourself, I tell you what, you're going to be like a awesome magnet of attraction for lots of really great people, vibes, things, right? It's a better place to manifest from. I know I had a lot of issues with self-love because of my disability. And I felt so less than for a while. And I was so ashamed. And part of that was 
I was so, um, I felt less than in the face of my friends who like, didn't have something like that happen to them. And they all like have their house and their 401k and all of the things that adults do in life and do adult stuff. And I didn't because of the low money I was making with the disability and all of the things where I was held back in a way. But when those things would pop up then and become sort of insecurity comparative moments, I would sit there and I mean, and, and now I don't do it anymore, but it, if it ever comes up, there's moments where I'm like, well, hold on a minute. When I really think about a lot of those people, they wish they would be, they wish they could be living my life because yeah. of, because of, because I love what I do, because yeah. I have so much fun when I do, because I get to express myself because I literally love it. And those people don't and wish they did, but they have the things. And that's another thing too, is like, oh, well, you should already be here at this time. You should have already figured it out. You know, Mark Sisson, uh, you know, who sold Kraft, his company to Kraft Heinz for mm, hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, he was a personal trainer and making 40 grand a year at the age of like, you know, 40. He didn't, you know what I mean? So you, Louise Hay started Hay House at age 60. She died at 90 something. She started a whole revolution at the age of 60. It's never too late. Right. But at the end of the day, too, if you're comparing yourself to someone, I, I guarantee there's a lot that you have or who you are that you would never give up for what they have in terms yeah. of things or a sense of security, even about a 401k or whatever that is. And then also those things like we've talked before on these podcasts, then maybe those are things you need to strive to do. Right. Like they need to strive to maybe find more purpose in their life. You've already got that. Great. Maybe now it's time for you to find that thing of which you once thought you were a little bit less than four. I know I've been there many times because of the, uh, because of the, you know, again, I'm, I'm successful and happy, not despite my disability, I'm happy and successful because of it, like I say, but there are moments when, you know, I am physically prevented from doing things because of this. And I do, I've had moments where I feel like, oh man, if I, kind of like you're talking about like, oh man, if I, if this didn't happen to me, I'd be here already by now. <laughs> or, you know, like those, those moments. Yep. And over time I've had to just, you know, yeah. self-talk and they rarely come up. And that's the thing too. The more you practice it, the more yeah. you're hitting yourself with that self-talk and the, Hey, wait, you know, Hey, stop yourself. Look in the mirror. What are you doing? Come on. You got this. Those kind of things over time. Oh, they just are continually instilling and refueling the confidence. It'll keep getting up leveled. And then there'll be a day where like those things just don't really pop up or they're very rare or they'll pop up and that you won't even be affected by them, you know? Yeah. And I think the comparison thing um, brings up for me the question of just what are you shaming yourself for? Yeah. Because if we think of like a little girl, like sometimes I'll hear negative self-talk and, and all I can imagine in my head, and this is probably from working with Catherine Dixon, but all I can imagine in my head is a little four-year-old version of that person stand, sitting in front of them and listening to them say that to them, like they would be like, if let's say it's negative self-talk about your body for women, right? Biggest shame point for women, mm -hmm. success being the biggest shame point for men, um, according to Brene Brown. 100%. And, and so for women, it's very common to shame yourself for your body. Right. And so I, this is something that I teach like crazy with my women is we think that using shame and not enoughness is the only tool to get us into action because it does work, right? It does drive action. Shame is a powerful action driver, but I've been down that road and I'll share, I'll share very openly. I got all the way to 11% body fat, which is bare essential fat for a woman. 10 to 12% is essential fat 
or woman. I was not doing a bodybuilding competition. I was not dieting down in preparation for anything. I was literally like, that is where I was going and still felt like I had some progress needed when I was in the bottom of the barrel on self-worth and trying to prove it and earn it. And I, at that time, like when I got to that 11%, like I still never felt like fit enough or whatever. Right. And, and I know so many people have been down that road. So if you're going to use shame as a tool, just know that you will never be enough. You will never be satisfied or fulfilled. Like no matter what you will still be in shame when you get to your destination, whatever you think that is, which will never, it's a dangling carrot that you never arrive at, which all things are like, there's no after picture. (laughs) Like we're all evolving until we freaking die. And who knows what happens after that. So, um, I would say, you know, for me, what I teach always is when you can finally give your body the freaking credit that it's due, when you can give yourself, maybe it's something else you're shaming yourself about, the credit that you're due, when you can look at yourself as like, pretend you're your own parent or the God of like, you're like God and you are the child, right? And you're switching into this other point of view and you see all the things that this person being you has gone through in their life and how hard they've been trying and how badly they want to do well. And then you think like, as God, you're going to sit there and be like, not enough freaking loser. I can't believe you did that. Like you're not even close to as good as those people over there. Like that chick or that guy, like she should be ashamed of yourself. Just sit there and like, just don't, yeah, just don't even exist. Like you are a disgrace. Like that would be so abusive and disgusting. Yet we do that to ourselves. We talk to ourselves like that. And we, and it happens in little nuances. You know, it happens in the passing in the mirror when you see your butt or you see your belly and you're like, ew, gross. And that is shaming. That is abuse. Would you do that to a little girl who was like a little bit chubby? Would you be like, ew, gross. And like, start poking at her belly. That would be so freaking abusive. Or maybe a little, a little boy, like broke something. He was getting all excited. He broke it. And you just sit there and like freaking pummel him and shame him. That's abuse. But we do that to ourselves. It's like, oh my gosh, dude, have some compassion. Um, But when we can get to a place of appreciation and respect for our bodies or whatever else the shame point is. I'm using this as an example. And you can say like, holy cow, like my body supports me every single day. It gives me life. Like it's like, has my immune system in there. It's got my lymphatic system, my nervous system, my, you know, cardiovascular system. It's doing all these freaking crazy, amazing, miraculous things. It auto regenerates and heals. I cut it. It just freaking heals itself. I don't even know how it does that. Um, like, it's like gets sleepy all by itself and sleeps and then wakes up. I don't even know how it does all this stuff. It's so cool. And when you can start to have appreciation for it and gratitude for it, that's when you can like take a look and one, you can like see some extra fat on your belly or your butt or whatever it is. And you can just look at it for what it is. It's just fat. (laughs) It's not like a statement on your worthiness or who you are or how good or bad your body is. It's just some fat. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, when you-, you know, it's funny. Cause a lot of the self-deprecating talk, I remember, um, in college, I had a roommate who was really self-deprecating and I had my boyfriend at the time was over and he hung out with us for a little bit. And then afterwards, when we were talking privately, he said, you know, you, you should really have a conversation with so-and-so because as a guy, when you're in these conversations, that is the most unattractive thing in the fucking world. Yep. 
when a woman is like, you know, ripping on her or anybody, oh, right? yeah. the same thing with a guy. And um, so that's, you know, I am a not, a, I mean, you know, like, I think I joked around with you the other day. I was like, you know, cause we were doing something technical. We were developing something. And I said something like, you know, sometimes I'm really tech savvy. And sometimes it's like a monkey, monkey playing chess up in here. You know, I'm not really telling myself I'm dumb. It is a, it's a comment. If you have problems with those comments, then you should get rid of all of those comments. I didn't have any weight behind that comment. They're just a flipping joke. Right. Yeah. Um, but I still think if you're, if you're still struggling with that, you really have to watch the words that have come out of your mouth. And, um, in general, uh, and this goes back to hint, like the confidence thing, the reason we admire and we love, and we kind of, you know, uh, gravitate towards confident people is because they do have a high level of self-love and self-esteem, right? right? They don't compete. They're not jealous. They're for everybody They're, You know what I mean? And that that's what confidence is. That's why you want it. It's because of their self-love really. I mean, it's a lot of things, right? But it's, yeah. it's because of the self-love in there that allows them to be that overall yep. confident as fuck. I'm not talking about people who just get on stage, but people who really feel good about who they are. And it's not that we all don't um, I remember when I, when I wrote that book, I thought, oh, I can never not be confident. Now I just totally fucked myself, <laughs> right? Like, you know, I was joking around me. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I could never <laughs> waver because I wrote this book, but at the end of the day, it's really true. And so if you want to move forward and becoming more confident, or you want to get things out of life, confident people, they get the things they get the stuff. And if you want that, you're going to have to do the self-love part first. It is the ultimate in becoming confident because you can fake it as much as you want. You can get on stage and do that, but then your internal life's going to be a mess and you're going to crumble and it's going to be a disaster. And then you'll just be some fraud who's out there pontificating it. That's it. That's not a fun life. It's so much more fun to have it on the inside. Uh, I just want to touch too. I love, and I, we probably talked about it before. I spend a lot of time in silence a lot. I love it. I love my thoughts. I like sitting and just thinking about stuff. I don't know what to tell you. You know, it takes work to get there though. I bet it wasn't like that at first. Was it? I think it was probably spawned by me being forced to like sit with myself when I was sick with hypothyroidism. I kind of couldn't go out and I was a mess and I was always at home and a total hermit. And I mean, not that I haven't been a hermit during the pandemic a little bit, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I was so afraid to go out because I was bloated and fat. And so I, I had a lot of time like with myself and enjoying my own company as much as I could. You know, I tried to watch comedy um, and I, I was kind of all I had, you know, for a while mm -hmm. other than a few friends to talk to. Um, but in general, I think I've always loved just like staring at an ocean or a campfire or woods or something and just pondering things. If you're uncomfortable with that, it's because you're uncomfortable with you. And it's also because yeah. you're uncomfortable with your thoughts because you probably maybe aren't liking some of them and you want to ignore and go it with outside stimulus or go shop yep. it out or do yep. whatever. And, you know, um, I'll just, uh, it's not that it hasn't been said before, but podcast a couple of weeks ago, Dr. Cheyenne Bryant wrote a book called Mental Detox. And she was saying, you have to stay in the uncomfortability to figure yep. out what it is. That's so right. one of her examples was she had a client who was hanging out with a bunch of girlfriends at a, you know, Vegas at a pool. And she started to feel really yucky. She called the coach. The coach said, well, what is it that you're feeling gross about? Are you jealous of them? Because they're taking bikini selfies. Like, what is it? She's like, I don't know. And she goes, well, guess what? You have to go sit back in the uncomfortability yeah. until you figure That's out right. what it is. And she realized, I guess the woman realized, she goes, oh, I realized that I was a little bit jealous because here's my best friend. And I, we've been friends for five years, but all her friends there were friends since grade school. And she's got to split all of her attention between people. And I always have her one-on-one. -on -one, and I think I'm just jealous because I'm at great. You just figured out it was because you it. sat there and simmered in it. And now you can go back in and kind of enjoy it. And, and, and now you've got empathy because you go, 
I get why I'm not going to be offended that the attention is not on me. She's got a lot of people here, Yep. but I, I love that accountability her to do that. I love that yeah. she poster to like, you have to go. Cause she was in her hotel room sulking because you got to get back out there and you got to get into the uncomfortability. Yeah. She got out of victim mode where it was right. all, it was her, the situation's fault. It was her friend's fault. And right. now realize like, Oh, it's actually me. I'm being jealous and unreasonable here. And I love right. what you're saying there. Cause you know, uh, I think for me, sitting in silence, not comfortable at all in the beginning. Um, I really recognize when I started meditating and stuff that I did not like being left alone to my own thoughts, especially plant medicines were freaking brutal for me. Like I just wanted to talk to somebody or anything to get me out of my own head. Um, and I realized after about a year of consistently doing that work, I couldn't wait to be by myself and think by myself. And I was like, wow, I have come a really long way. And I, it, it's and fun now, isn't it? Fun it's fun now. for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like finding answers and little treasures and little clues that are going to make my life awesome. But I will say I, I have shared this because I know I was this way. People who aren't comfortable in silence are really kind of obnoxious to be around because they talk incessantly. This is what I was doing anyway, and I've noticed it in others. They talk and talk and talk just to fill silence because they're uncomfortable with it, which then lowers the quality of the conversation. And for people who are used to silence and are okay with silence and would rather just have a 30 second break and come back into something meaningful, when you start rattling off about some commercial you saw, it's like, holy shit, like who cares about that? Like we, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a pattern I've noticed in people who are not comfortable in silence, they'll start to fill it with fill conversations with bullshit. And it's, I can literally watch it. I'm, I'm sensitive to it. Cause I know I used to be like that. I get and that. I, and this I watch a, that's it. That's a really good point because I watch it push true. people away. Yeah. I watch people who are comfortable in silence, just kind of like, I can energetically feel them pulling away from that person because they're like, this is just hard to be around. <laughs> just, that is like a really good point about the, the silence thing. I mean, I think when I was younger, I probably was that person too. Um, but it still as an adult can last with people. I had the opposite experience, which was nice. I went on a, just a hiking date because everything's kind of closed for date type of stuff. And I went on a hiking date not too long ago and I was very impressed with this person's level of confidence because there were times when there was some uncomfortable, like what other people would consider uncomfortable silence. And, and normally like, you know, you're in that moment and you feel the need. And I remember in that moment being like, no, I just want to let's see how this rides out. This is kind of fun. <laughs> I like, I like that. No one's okay. Let's see who talks next. This is interesting. <laughs> like, but I kind of appreciated that they, it just, and it, it showed that they were just confident, calm, cool with yourself. If we weren't talking for a few minutes, that was cool. There was no weirdness about it, yeah. but the thing in and of itself can be a little bit like, oh, well, you just met someone we're talking. And then now there's silence for a few minutes and, and it I was think- totally fine. It was great. I really admired them for it. You know, yeah, even though yeah. it wasn't necessarily a match. I was like, that guy's fucking awesome. Yeah. And I think people who spend a lot of time in nature become this way, maybe guys who hunt or women who just go out in nature and walk a lot. Like if, if you're wanting to start being able to be in your own mind and be happy and love it there, like walking meditations can be a really powerful intro to that. Like don't invite somebody sometime, like just go, you know, don't listen to anything. Just yeah, don't listen to anything. Exactly. Like don't always be taking stuff. And I'd say being in silence is one of the key ways to one process your emotions all the way, find out where you really stand on things and two, just be completely comfortable with letting all thoughts go with no expectations of anything and being comfortable with that is a beautiful practice to be able to get into your life. Because once you're at that baseline, once you're like completely content with 
honestly no stimuli or nothing like I'm content with just being then when other people come into your life it becomes just a bonus or an enhancement versus a psychological need for someone to fill your time and fill your thoughts and keep you entertained because you're not comfortable being by yourself right and it just it's for me it is radically changed the quality of my like dating relationships, like completely, like from like really, really honestly, just being real, like really dysfunctional shit to beautiful, mature, like everyone's free to be themselves. No expectations on anyone here. Like I support you in your awesome life. You support me in my awesome life. Okay, cool. Like let's do that. And it changed when you changed you. And that is so back to law of attraction, manifestation. Like you are going to see the mirroring. If you're scamming people, you're a shit bag. You're probably going to come across someone who also is too, in some way, you know, you're going to attract what you are. So be that person. Yeah, totally. All right. I think we'll go think we'll go ahead and wrap that up. Hopefully that was helpful to you guys. Feel free to reach out. If you have any further questions, you can find us on obviously Instagram. Hopefully you guys have found us there already, but coach Tara Garrison, T-A-R-A and at underscore L Russ. And again, come visit us in our Facebook group. It's kick-ass life podcast is the name of the group. We'd love to have you in there um, and be part of our discussions and um, uh, suggestions for further topics. And if you're listening to this and you want to watch video episodes, we have those too at youtube.com forward slash kickass life podcast. And I'll just end it here with saying, I love me. (laughs) (laughs) I love you too. I hope you guys can all say that and say like, I love you girlfriend or whatever you guys say to each other. I love you, bro. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Right on. Thanks everyone.